This episode of the Enemy Vaccine Podcast is brought to you by East Third, presenting Third Show on May 7th, featuring performances by Sanford Black, Kamikaze Pilots Manual, and Mother Tongue. With live comedy from the local Denton, Texas scene with comedians Brett Pivato, DDT, Nick Fields, Joe Coffey, Brett Crow, Leron Wright, Just Will, Parker Slavens, Jimmy Nelson, Alex Gaskin, with Dalton Pruitt as your host. So don't be lame, people. You should totally show up. So, with that being said, let's roll the disclaimer. Hey there. As a quick heads up, the following show is not a replacement for proper medical help, counseling, or medication. It's a program where we talk about depression, anxiety disorders, and other forms of mental illness. It's a safe space where we can reflect and make sense of this big, big world. If you're in need of immediate assistance, please seek attention or call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. If not, just chill out and enjoy the show. And remember, everything is going to be okay. Thanks. This is the Enemy Vaccine Podcast. My name is Angel. So we're back, and these are going to start coming out on a more regular basis. And this time, I promise. Like, seriously. I have a bunch of these episodes in the can. They're ready to go. <laughs> um, and you know what? We're going to kick depression in the balls. That's what we're going to do. Just right in the bam. <laughs> um, a lot of things have been changing in my life recently. Some good, some not so good. And this is... The most recent interview I did, and you know, and storytelling, and it's crazy because uh, it wasn't my intention to release this episode so soon, but I think it's very relevant to my life right now, and it's something that could probably help some folks. And uh, uh, we have some great episodes and amazing stories and interviews on the way, and I'm trying to line up more and more, and I think this uh, this show's gonna go somewhere, you know. And, you know, if this doesn't reach, you know, millions of people, I think that's okay with me. As long, you know, as long as I help, like, one person get through their day, I think, I think we'll be alright. Um, and I am trying to fully commit to this show because I feel that, like, mental illness awareness and depression discussion goes through ups and downs. Um, pun not intended. Uh, oh, shit. God, I feel really crappy about that. Ugh. I'm not trying to diminish it. Like the the point is that um it isn't a steady discussion or conversation that society has and it's something that needs to just you know stay in people's minds and that's not me trying to be a buzzkill that's me going like these are issues we're facing every day and this is something that needs to get done and something needs to get done about it. And we're trying to lower the stigma and we're trying to create a space that could actually help some people. And, uh, you know, and at the same time, it's, it's a form of release for me to help people out and to, you know, try to reach an audience that 
is going through the same things I'm going through. Um, this is the first intro also that I ever recorded like on the fly. Like, um, usually I have these like written out, but, um, you know, I just, I just kind of want to speak from the heart to anybody that listens to this and know that, you know, I'm kind of, I'm here for you and I'm, and I'm trying to, and I'm trying to help you and I'm trying to understand and yeah. Today's episode, we talk about something familiar. We talk about sadness. I want to tell you something important about sadness. It can be a crutch. You could become familiar in it, and you don't want to leave it, because the rest of the spectrum of emotions are uncharted. I was recently shown a really good TED Talk about vulnerability. It's called The Power of Vulnerability by uh, Breen Brown. At least I think that's how you pronounce it. It's available on YouTube, and she has a whole set of TED Talks that I definitely recommend. I don't want to go into the details of it, because I don't want to ruin it. But it states on the importance of letting yourself become vulnerable. And if there's anything you take away from this episode, anything at all, is to allow yourself to be vulnerable. Now, I don't mean jump into a tiger's den with steak around your neck. No, 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 no. But allow yourself to become emotionally vulnerable. And I understand, you know, you don't want to because I've been hurt too. You know, I, I totally understand where you're coming from, but... I'm not saying open yourself up to everyone all at once. You know what I'm saying? Don't like talk to, you know, a homeless person down the street and be like, I'm so sad. No, um, he's probably sadder than you are. He's homeless. Um, but anyway, look, I've been hurt too. And I'm not saying to open yourself all, all at once, but just try to make strides. Crawl before you walk if you need to. But that way you can open yourself to love and admiration and happiness because you deserve it and i know i sound cheesy and lame like a really bad episode of dr phil but but trust me as someone who's learning this lesson the hard way who is looking at the aftermath of not allowing yourself to be open once you open up you become more aware of your surroundings and and what the people that are close to you are really saying with or without their words because closing yourself off makes you distant uncaring apathetic and isn't that the kind of behavior you've been trying to avoid this whole time because as closed off as you can be all you want to do is be heard that's kind of like a human need like you don't want you don't want to stroll through your life numbing yourself. You don't want to just, you know, glide by. You want to live your life. And the only way you can really do that is by becoming more open. And if you're worried about the pain, pain is temporary and good things will come. But only if you allow it. I'll end my lame life coach speech like this. You are worth something, and you deserve happiness, and you matter, and it's something I say all the time. And as much as it sucks right now, and it hurts at first, I trust me, it does, but it'll be worth it. Now, let's get to our story, 
This is episode three, Sadness and its Familiar Companionship. What? It was like in the bargain. Like, oh, was it an HD DVD or a Blu-ray? A, that's a Blu-ray, <laughs> sir. That is a Blu-ray. All right, all right. All right. I don't believe that. You don't? I will show you the receipt. Let me go to that's where... Not, that's like, that's less than what it costs to make and ship that. <laughs> you got a little Black Friday book. Wow. Well, you didn't say that. If you would have said that, I would have factored well, that like, into my <laughs> Price well, is Right answer. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you're wrong. It's Black Friday. <laughs> We have an amazing story today. It's told by one of the better storytellers so far. Let's meet him. I'm Taylor Higginbotham. I'm a comedian in Denton, Texas. Taylor is an amazing comedian, and he also runs Denton's newest venue, East Third, which is an amazing venue for both musicians and comedians. Uh, in getting to know him over time, we kind of bonded a bit, and he told me about his struggle with depression, and I said, please come on the show. Um, with that being said, we his story starts out, you know, at the beginnings of this depression, and we also ask him what he thinks is the differences between depression and sadness. But, uh, you know, um, here we go. Here's the story. I'm going to go with when I thought I had it. <laughs> because a uh, diagnosis was, you know, I, I took too long to get into therapy, I guess. Uh, unless you want this to be like a slate answer. I guess. Yeah. No. Um, definitely early high school is whenever I started reading things about it and starting to kind of self-reflect and, and, uh, and kind of go, oh, yeah, I, I feel that way. Like, oh, yeah, that is, that is what, I, what I feel like a little bit. You know, like, I can see what would cause that. Yeah, so yeah, probably like freshman year is whenever I really started to kind of apply it to myself. Uh, what's your definition of depression? It's not extremely easy to put into words, I guess. It would be a, uh, it's more or less like a feeling of not escaping, you know? It's like, I always kind of felt like it was a, a claustrophobic, but I'm not in a small room. It was just claustrophobic within... Like what thoughts I could have, I don't know. That probably doesn't define it very well. But uh, yeah, I think they're different. I think sadness is something that you may have a grasp of it coming to an end. Depression, like I mentioned, maybe kind of has like an infinite loop feeling for me personally. Uh, sadness is just kind of a, a temporary feel, I think. 
Um, would you say people get kind of like complacent in their depression? They just kind of stay there because it's Ab- familiar. Absolutely, yeah. I feel like the the kind of a self perpetuating nature of depression is kind of conducive to depression. <laughs> it's the the slippery walls and the pit kind of a thing. Okay. Um, my as many others, uh, their parents got divorced. My parents got divorced, and uh, I wasn't really told anything about it. Um, and that comes into play way later. <laughs> That's also the beginning. Uh, I wasn't really told anything about it, and I was just kind of left to deal with it on my own. I was I was very young to kind of deal with it on my own, and I didn't. I guess I didn't because I didn't I didn't have the tools to do so. So I I moved through middle school and moved up into up into high school, and I. Uh, I had some contention with my stepfather, obviously, um, which kind of added to added to a lot of that. Um, he was kind of overbearing and uh, a single man at heart all the time. <laughs> was not used to having kids around, so like again, I, I wasn't. I, I don't felt. I don't feel like I was. I was told how to deal with it, and it, it just kept getting further and further away from me. And uh, I didn't really realize what it was. I guess. Until, uh, like I said, I started reading things about it, and people people would talk about it, and I, I would start to apply it to myself, and, and I realized that I think that could easily be applied to me. Um, I found I found an outlet in high school through um, through like video production stuff that kind of it, it distanced me. It didn't really help me solve anything, or there's really no solution, I guess, but it didn't help me come to terms with it by any means. And then. Um, I don't mean to flash forward so much, but I, I got into college, and uh, I felt like there's a lot of things on the line, as as there are, and I guess it, like the pressure was mounting from school, and I had started a production of my own. Uh, I wrote and directed this thing that took like so much of my time, so much of my energy, and the school was the first time they'd ever funded anything. I had a long distance relationship, which is self destructive, and my mom, <laughs> uh, my grandmother just had a stroke. My sister was just in a near-fatal car accident, and they cut the budget on the film. Uh, girlfriend broke up with me, obviously. She was in Arizona. That's that's easy to do for both of us. <laughs> and uh, from there, I just uh, I I guess I had attempted suicide at that point. Um, and it was then it was like uh, whenever I did that, I, I felt. I don't know what I what I'd always classified as like a void within myself and any, any kind of like oh why didn't I talk to my dad more kind of thing <laughs> you know, like any any time I had those feelings I like I, I just thought of that as just a void I just thought of that as something I just don't go near but whenever I actually attempted suicide I actually felt that void I felt like a just a an all-encompassing warmth and nothingness and it was fucking terrifying <laughs> and it like if anything that was like just cold ice water on me trying trying to you know do better by myself and maybe look look deeper into myself and you know not be so afraid of it I guess and another flash forward uh, <laughs> I moved back to Denton uh, with my parents I ran out of money in college and which wasn't really fun uh, <laughs> that didn't that didn't really feel good it never feels good to move back in with your parents I guess and um, I, I took up a, a pretty strange addiction um uh, i wasn't eating like toilet paper or anything but i was 
I, f- I found myself in love with uh with sleeping medication and uh i just i don't know why it was it was amazing but it was awful it, it again it distanced me and I, I i needed to learn from that but i couldn't at the time um find myself out in denton drinking too much and you know just self-destructing as hard as i could <laughs> working very hard at that and that alone and then finally you know through all this shit i had like i finally had a a girlfriend that just kind of like that pushed me into therapy and I'd kind of felt it and I'd never really had the money to or whatever and then once I got in there it was like less than a week I was having like decent breakthroughs and like remembering parts of your childhood and things that I like I, I didn't remember because I guess uh, from what I've read trauma like actually will remove parts of your memory uh, so like <laughs> from there like I stopped going to therapy but I, w- I was getting a better hold on it, and I, I do plan on going back. It's like a thing that I, I really want to do, but um, I'm actually finding myself kind of like knee-deep in, in, in hobbies, and and uh, I found like a community of comedians I can talk to, and it's it's, it's nice. Yeah, yeah, it's um, like Angel Garcia. <laughs> I, no, but it's, it's, it's busying myself. It's no, it's no longer distancing. It's, it's being able to embrace that awful feeling. But also knowing that you have this whole other positive side that you can lean back on, that you can that you can go back to. It's it's not that uh, that pit that we had talked about. That um, it, it's more or less like I can just go in the pit when I want, and then someone will give me a ladder, and then I can get out. <laughs> like it's it's fine, and uh, I, f- I feel like I feel like I'm in a way better place, which is why I'm on a podcast about it. I don't think if I was right in the middle of it, I don't know if I would be, <laughs> be here talking about it. It's so easy to say when you're not in it, you know, it's so easy to say, be positive about things. It's so easy to say, don't think about it. It's, you know, it's so easy to say, just get out of that rut. But it's, to some extent, it kind of comes down to that. It kind of comes down to you looking at yourself and going, I'm going to get out of this thing. Like it's, and I hate saying it because I felt that too. People would say that to me and be like, fuck off. (laughs) I can't, I can't do that right now, you know? You know how depressed I am, and then I would I would spiral myself in that sentence um, back into it. Uh, but it really, I really, it really is just keeping yourself busy in something that you love, and like, which is another easy thing to say. You know, like uh, a depressed person could easily be like, "Well, I don't have enough money to do that," or whatever. But you you find something, find something that either takes your mind off of it and can also reward you, or just. Or surround yourself in people that are way more positive, that won't sit and dwell with you in that hole. I think I think that would be uh, that's that's at least what I did. I, I can't say like you should do that. You know, I, I already read the disclaimer. <laughs> I really, I just uh, that's that's where I fell into, out of it. I think. Um, I was trying to think about this today. I figured you would ask. Um, life now is. It feels more day to day. It doesn't feel hour to hour. It doesn't feel, you know, ten minute chunks. It doesn't feel like, like I'm watching a really crappy Seinfeld episode of my life or something. Like it really feels, it feels like goals. It feels like things are attainable. It doesn't feel uh, as disparent, I guess. Um, and I wasn't actively walking around thinking that all the time, but now that I've had like a chance to reflect upon it, it, it really it feels like more things are possible including just going out and getting food 
<laughs> like, that feels more possible. That used to be impossible. That used to be something that was difficult. Like, But really, like, everything feels like there's more optimism in general. Like, not even me telling myself to be optimistic. It just feels like a natural occurring, like, you can, you can go to the mall. That's okay. It's just people. <laughs> but it, that, that used to be a crippling fear, you know. Like, I don't know. It's... It feels way better. I'll say that. Like it, I definitely feel like I'll live longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. A very special thanks to Taylor Higginbotham for sharing his story today. Not only that, he read the disclaimer today, and he was very lovely at it. Special thanks to East 3rd for sponsoring the show. Make sure to check that showcase out, alright? And of course, like usual, before I go, if you would, allow for my shameless plugs. Please, please, please email us at enemyvaccine at outlook.com. If you have any questions or if you just want someone to talk to, please hit me up on the email. Sometimes you just want someone to vent to or you want some advice. Either way, let me know. So guess what? We're on iTunes. Uh, please subscribe and leave a comment. We're trying to get bigger. Uh, bigger, bigger audiences and we're trying to move up in the world. So please rate, review the whole line. We have a new website at enemyvaccine.com. We're so official. Uh, that's for everything podcast and everything Angel Garcia stand up. Follow us on Twitter at Enemy Vaccine. And you know what? Follow me at El Pando Forte. You can check out my gigs, me plugging the show, sharing articles, the whole nine. Well, that's the show. My name is Angel. Hopefully we meet again. And remember, everything is going to be okay. <laughs>